The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hi. Welcome back to Teacher Quit Talk. Where we're quitting and we're teaching and we're talking. To say thank you to our patrons who paid $4 at least to send us these, we're going to read some Patreon submissions. And if you are like, how come when I sent you an email, you didn't read it? Did it come through the Patreon? That's the million dollar question. That's the one thing. We're very strict with our procedures. Next week we're doing email submissions though. And you can send us an email that you received. Only an email. (laughs) Okay. So, hi, Fraz and Redacted. This is a long one, so buckle up, friends. Consider me buckled. Like on the Indiana Jones ride, I'm so buckled. So buckled. This is my first year teaching in a school district, and wow, it has been a hellish experience, to say the least. To start, I did not always want to be a teacher. I started at a daycare center when I was in college and fell in love immediately. It was too late in my college career to switch, so I decided to apply for a master's of education program that ended with my certification back home and got in immediately. I was so excited to start my journey as a teacher, but I would have never expected what was to come. My first red flag I didn't notice, but there were so many signs from the beginning. I was going to school in New York, so I flew down for my local district's career fair. I was so nervous and excited. When I talked to the school I'm at now, there were so many openings, K through five, almost all positions. Remember how I said I should have noticed the red flags? Yeah. Uh, They had a sign-up sheet for interviews, and I was called the next morning. They talked about their mission and all the great things they were doing. They sounded so student-focused, and I was excited about it. They offered me a position teaching fifth grade, which wasn't a grade I was excited about at first, but I was willing to give it a shot. Flash forward to PD, Professional Development Week, and I find out that we have a whole new team. Yeah, you heard that right. Not a single fifth grade teacher stayed from the year before. I tried to brush it off by thinking it might just not have been a school for the teachers and tried my best to stay positive. The start to the year was a little rough and filled with lots of crying, but I was just trying to vibe on through it. I was staying until six most nights and coming in at six. Trust me, I don't anymore. Good, because that's a violation of your human rights. Yeah, good. Absolutely not. I was staying until six most nights, coming in at six, and was just overwhelmed. I was even working on the weekend. I used to work all all day on Sunday, every single week, my first year teaching, and that was so violently unnecessary. But anyway, back to the story. Um, I was even working on the weekend. I felt there was no support, at least not the support they promised. I decided to actually take my weekend and whatever didn't get done, didn't get done. When I went to planning, I didn't fill out a sheet that we have to fill out by Monday the week it starts, so a week after we plan. I don't really understand that, but okay. I knew all that we were planning for, just didn't get it onto the sheet. Oh, I see. So you had the plan, you just didn't put it in their little paper thing by the day that they wanted it, but the plan did exist. My instructional specialist screamed at me and explained that I needed to be prepared to be successful. I had all the copies, all the forms, everything. I was even telling the team that we would be teaching that following week in full detail, but I was literally told 
It means nothing if you don't get it on that paper before planning. It didn't make sense to me, but I tried to let it go. I just felt like it would be different if I was unprepared. I also did not appreciate being yelled at. I don't want to make this too long. Always make it long. I don't want to make this too long, but there's been so much that has happened. I've been yelled at by admin about things my partner teacher has done, been threatened by my students, like that they were going to pew pew me more than once, and admin did nothing about it. Being yelled at to the point that I'm crying in meetings, that I'm now dealing with a principal not getting my school forms filled out so I can receive my certification and degree in less than a week. Oh boy, it's been a year. Isn't it wild? And like, I feel like I had a really good teacher certification program, like all things considered, but I feel like gaslighting is really prevalent and normalized in that environment. I don't, my teaching certification program was very different. I can see what you mean because I started my certification program the summer after my first year as just a full-time classroom teacher. So they would say things and I was like, I already know that everyone who is an employee here is a liar. So I kind of like came to it with a very different perspective because I was in a program for actively working teachers. So they would be like, do this. And I was like, "Mm, that's not going to work. Let me write you your little paragraph so I can get my grade for the week and then move on with my life pretending like I thought this was a good idea. But I can see where if like you haven't actively been in a classroom, like that's what you're getting. So that's what you're going to believe. Because they would tell me like, oh, if you do this, they'll be engaged as readers. And I was like, no, they won't. But all right. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of people have good intentions, but they also haven't been in the classroom for like, yes, a minute I can totally see myself as a brand new teacher being like oh well I know that there's a lot of turnover at this school but they have a really good reason for it or like you know it's probably just not a good fit who knows like I'm different I can fix them (laughs) like I'm the CEO of I can fix them when it comes to a job like there will be the reddest of red flags and I'm like I'm like "Mm." not when I'm done with you right exactly but I think it's it's really prevalent in schools in general the submitter was like, oh, there were lots of red flags and I was crying all the time. It's also sold to us that that's very normal. It's like, oh, well, your first year of teaching, you're going to cry all the time and you're going to be very stressed out. But, you know, that's just the way the cookie crumbles. Like, it's so not normal. Like, it is normal. It's very common, but it's not normal, you know? Like, no, Because exactly. I remember this was my schedule my first year teaching. <laughs> I would get to school at like 6.30, 6.45. The kids would get there around 7. I would teach until 2.30. I would go home, I'd stare at the wall for like an hour, just kind of processing. Disassociate. As Alex told us, that's a bad thing. But yeah. Oh, right. Apparently that is a bad thing. Who would have thunk? I would disassociate and then I would eat something for the first time all day. Every morning I would drink a venti caramel macchiato and that was my breakfast and lunch, which is not good for you or your body. So then I would usually eat McDonald's. It's shocking why I was depressed and crying all the time. It's almost like you were only consuming salt and sugar. And then every night around 6.37, I would go, fuck, I need to make a lesson plan for tomorrow and also learn the curriculum that they have to learn tomorrow because I had never taught before. And then I would read their textbook crying because I didn't know anything. And then I'd watch YouTube and then I'd learn it. And then I would plan a very overly complicated lesson for no reason and then print and laminate little squares for them to do little sorting games and things like that and do that until like 11 p.m. And I literally, it would take me like two and a half, three hours to plan a single lesson and I would plan it the night before every single day, which was like, that was not okay. Someone should have stepped in. You would think, but like, 
like I would plan the most complicated things simply because teacher Instagram said that we were supposed to be doing room transformations like the Ron Clark Academy and we were supposed to be making everything super super magical and between that just expecting myself to be creating units and lessons because that was what was Mm -hmm. sold to me as normal on social media between that and just the sheer fact that like I was obsessed with lamination and the paper cutter you couldn't tell me anything mine was not really the social media pressure because I don't think that exists so heavily for high school teachers at least like I'm not on that side of the internet mine was coming from the district because they were really big on me that it needed to be like hands-on and engaging and like gamified and the district would give me materials but the district materials were not good like they would give me a sorting activity and the district lady would come in and she'd make my kids do the sorting activity and I would be like okay I see why this is good but the way that you designed this like they're not learning a ton it's not great for ELL like I would just find that their resources even though the activity made sense the actual way they went about it I didn't like so I was making all of my own stuff and I wish that someone had showed me how many free resources are on teachers pay teachers and things like that because I was literally just making everything from scratch because I knew what I was being given was not working very well but I didn't know there were other places to look and like I wish I had been given resources that I know now like one of my favorite things as a social studies teacher in the world planning wise if you're listening to this it's so fucking easy the National Archives has guides for analyzing everything so they have a guide to analyze photo document video everything and it's scaffolded they have them for different grade levels I would watch videos and come up with questions specifically for that video for them that's so unnecessary like there's So many resources that now I've learned, like you can just print off a bunch of those document analysis guides and pick three documents and that takes five minutes. Like you don't have to reinvent the wheel every time. And I think we really expect first year teachers to like be doing the most and don't give them permission to be like, it's okay to take something from the internet. It doesn't mean you're a bad teacher. Right. We need more teachers in schools with that kind of energy and less teachers who like when I encountered veteran teachers for the first time, I met some really awesome ones and people that like to this day I love so much and I feel like they really did give me permission to not be so extra. But there are those veteran teachers that are like, fuck this. This place is a hellhole. It's been bad since 97. I wish I could hit the kids again. Like there's that kind of energy where it's like kind of scary. I mean, like I have a book still that my first mentor teacher ever who I love her. When I left student teaching, she had all the kids write me a letter and they found it because that school had money, honey. They had a book binder that you could bind books in the back. I love a book binder. Isn't that sick? I never had them as a teacher, but we had one in the real estate office that I worked in to make listing presentations and like tour presentations and stuff. Anyone would whisper, I have a list. And I'd be like, do you want a book? I could make you a book. If you wanted someone to use the book binder, I am available. It is so much fun. She made me one with all the kids' letters that they wrote me. And she called me sunshine and rainbows or butterflies and rainbows or something. Because she literally was like, you are so naive and like shiny and like expecting just. Not naive. Well, 
I, I got it my first year too. My, one of my favorite work friends who listens to this podcast, she also was always like, oh my God, you are so a first year teacher. But I don't know. I like punished myself in the name of making everything cute. My, I don't want to say my issue with it, but like the thing that made it hard for me to get out of that mindset is that like I've been like a high performer in a lot of jobs that I've been in in school. So like I'm used to getting praise in that environment. And when I was super extra and did those things, I would get praised for it. Like the district would come in and take photos of my classroom and show it in PDs. And so I like felt like there was an expectation for me to keep that up. And I felt like people were going to be mad at me if I wasn't doing that because they knew I was capable of it. So like I kind of set my own precedent badly. And then I felt like and like what someone should have said instead of just being like, wow, it's amazing that you make all that stuff. I wish someone had recognized like, wow, she's putting a lot of time into this. And I bet we could teach her ways to be more efficient rather than like I just dove even further into it because the more time I put into it, the more praise I got. And I felt like I just like constantly needed to be raising the bar in order to keep getting praise. And I used to get observed by the district at least twice a month. So like if one day I didn't have little laminated cute pictures from the Great Depression for them to sort and like play little games with, they'd be like, what happened, Miss Redacted? So like the cute bar was just in the Great Depression. No, I'm so serious. So I, I had, it's actually really fun. I have two Great Depression things that I put way too much time into. One of them I skipped a faculty meeting to create, no regrets. I have the Great Depression game of life where they have to pick a name and then I give them a card and they have to like answer yes or no questions and then they get to the end and then they have to write about their experience and like how their life turned out during the Great Depression. Very fun. It's on Teachers Pay Teachers. And then my other one that was not on Teachers Pay Teachers but I should put it on there is I would give them a baggie and some of it was like words, some of it was pictures, some of it was documents and they were all printed and cut out and laminated and cute and they would have to sort them between like social, economic, or political. And there weren't wrong answers. So like you'd see kids in like a soup line and some kids would say it was social and some kids would say it was economic and then they'd have to like talk about why it was one or the other. Very fun. But to fucking cut out eight sets of those for each class period. Oh my gosh, seriously. (laughs) It's so stressful and it makes me so sad that this first year teacher was like screamed at. Yeah. It's just not that serious. It's never that serious about your planning. There are things that are serious, but your fucking lesson plan being down on paper is not one of them. Everybody needs to settle down. Especially like the bit. child is never going to look at that lesson plan. Like what she said is she had her copies ready and she had a plan. Yeah. Like quite literally the lesson plan doc is the least important part if you think about running your day. Like the document that's there just in case admin walks in. If you don't have that, it's going to be like one not fun conversation. But if you don't have your stuff printed out, like if we all have 24 hours in a day, if you only have 10 minutes and you have to choose between the document and printing out the actual sheets for the children who are definitely going to be there. It's an obvious choice. I would love to have an administrator come talk to us, but they won't, but I wish they would. We should do it like FBI style. Like one of us just goes in the office mic'd up. Like wearing a wire. Yeah. Like one of us, like I put a wire on you and we hide it and then you just like are like hit up your old admin and you're like, you want to get lunch? Oh my God. I've been watching a lot of Sopranos. I'm not going to do that to you. I know you're listening. I'm not going to do that to you. If I ever ask you to get lunch, I'm not doing If I asked my old admin to get lunch, he would like be in a parking lot with a hammer. (laughs) I know. He's a scary fucking man. He has like a room in his house that's covered in pictures and printed out TikToks. (laughs) He has iPads up with the TikToks playing on a loop. Yeah. But I want to understand why the hell admin gets so uptight about these things because I know they're
there has to be a reason. I know there has to be some kind of top down. Somebody is getting their knees busted in a parking lot or something. Like there has to be a reason. It's not for nothing. Like, like what's going on with y'all? Cause Are you okay? They, if you don't have your lesson plan in your binder, they act like you have an open flame in your classroom. Or the write your objective on the board thing. So I was required to have a daily lesson plan in a binder, the standard, a daily essential question, and a daily objective on the board. Mm. Oh my God, it gets so much worse. That's not even the bad part. Basically, like I had a system where I made my own lesson plan doc and it was like two pages and I had a column for each day of the week and it just like made it faster to copy and paste everything and I did it that way. And so I, instead of sitting down and writing out the daily essential question, I would make one that lasted for a few days because they're not going to check it every day in a row. So I would do one that would last like two or three days and I would just print it out on a sheet of paper in like size 50 font or something and just tape it or magnet it on the board. Two reasons. One, it's faster. Two, I have the worst fucking handwriting I've ever seen on the planet. The district came in, pulled my admin aside to ask why I was not handwriting my essential questions and objective because they felt me using a printer was not encouraging writing for the children and that I was setting a poor example by taking the easy way out by printing it. And so literally, I, I okay, I'll write it and then wrote the ugliest chicken scratch you've ever seen in your life because that's how I write and then asked a child to please read it. And I asked a child that was very confident. I knew they could handle this and wouldn't care. Could they read it? No, they cannot. They're like, what are the courses, courses of the Vietnam? And I was like, you guys hired an illiterate teacher. So now I have to print out the essential question. Like, and that's what it goes to show is that like, I know it's scary to have someone come in your room and say, you're not doing this they will always find something wrong with you. They have to. It's their job. No matter how perfect you are, they will find something wrong because they have to prove why they are getting a paycheck and they have to write something down on their little fucking sheet of paper. So just do whatever you want. Shut your door and teach. In the same week, I got a shout out in the district-wide newsletter for always having my door open because it showed that I was so nice and any kid could talk to me. And then in the same week, I got reprimanded for fire code for always having my door open. They saw that in the newsletter and they were like, oh, uh, that reminds us. Don't have your door open. That's why nobody has it open. Literally, like, the social studies department was like, Miss Redacted is so welcoming to students. She teaches with her door open. In reality, I was just doing it my classroom would get cold if it was closed, and then kids would have to borrow my key if they needed to go to the bathroom, so I would just prop it open a little bit. And then immediately, they were like, that is a safety risk. Lock the door. And then they started coming by, and then the security guy would, like, jangle my door to make sure it was locked. Oh my god, aggressive. For two years, I I had two doors in my classroom and the rules behind that are one has to be locked one has to be unlocked but it has to be with the lock block down in case there's a school shooting you have to be able to just not go in the hallway God. yeah it's a joy and a half um anyways so this person sent us an update my principal finally completed my paperwork and I graduated with my certification in May additionally when everything was going down I asked my instructional specialist if she could talk to the principal and see if there was anything she could help help her with. They are closer and my instructional specialist had to fill out the same recommendation. My instructional specialist responded, honestly, she just has more important things to do, I'm sure. Which, okay, realistically, I understand that. However, 
There is a major difference between being busy and blatantly making the choice not to do something, which is what happened. The principal even told me straight up, I just didn't have to do this for anyone else and didn't understand why I had to do it for you. At first, thought I was going to be stuck there next year, but an amazing school in my district reached out to me and scooped me up right at the end of our transfer window. When I went to tell my instructional assistant I was leaving, I was extremely emotional, mostly because I was so anxious. Oh, you're so me. I was struggling to get the words out and she snapped at me by saying, come on, spit it out. I don't have time for this. I have more important things to do. Okay. Goddamn. Okay, bitch. Fuck. So I told her I was coming to tell you I was leaving. Sorry, it was hard for me to say. Immediately, her whole demeanor changed and she apologized profusely. It just made me realize that as teachers, they genuinely do not appreciate what you do or your expertise until they lose you because the amount of, you are an amazing teacher. Our school is so lucky to have a teacher like you. Notes I got after I said I was leaving was way more than when I was literally drowning in tears at my desk during lunch and after school. Lol. Always with the lol. You're so me. Thank you all for listening and starting this podcast. It has been one of the only things to make me feel less alone in this wild year. P.S. The whole fifth grade team and about 25 other teachers left the school this year and now I understand why. Again? Again, we lost the whole fifth grade team. Again. Hate to see it. Hate to see it. Are we surprised? No. No. You know what? I could have predicted that. It's going to keep on happening. They prey on these new teachers. If a school is offering like tons of people jobs at the exact same time, like one of the stories where it said like, we all just wrote down on a sign-up sheet to get interviewed. Like they didn't even review resumes before interviewing people. To me, that's the equivalent of when you interview at a restaurant and they go, are you free tonight? And then you just start working that night. It's like the biggest red flag of all time. When you can just walk in and get to work, that is not a good sign. But when you're a new teacher, it's like, oh my God, they want So relieving. Yeah. You're really anxious about not getting a position, Mm -hmm. which don't be, by the way. Right. So you're so anxious. So when someone's like, yes, please come, you just scurry to them. I actually think it's better to sub for a time at a school district that you really want to get into than it is to take a job that you're like not 100% sold on, for real. And I know that doesn't feel that way, but... Yeah. Uh, We're actually going to take a super quick break before we read the next one and listen to somebody who wants to sell you something. Love you. Be right back. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Let's read. Okay, so I actually know this school. I don't know them well, but I, you know them. I was trying to figure out if they were a private school or a charter school. It turns out it's a charter school. They're charting. A charting school? A charter school? <laughs> this with is a S-H-A-R-T-E-R. <laughs> that the title of the episode i want can we sell bumper sticker merch that say charter school more like charter school (laughs) and i literally just said this on the episode that we just recorded that won't come out until next week but we talk about charter schools um (laughs) fuck i have a teacher story for you hot off the press as i got pink slipped today i work for a bilingual charter school hereby known as charter Charter school School. (laughs) 
<laughs> I started in July. The school in theory sounds great. Don't they always? Built on the pillars of social justice, becoming global citizens, project-based learning, but in practice, it's on fire. I took a $3,000 pay cut to work there and I work seven days a week. As a second year teacher, my team put me in charge of creating the English curriculum. So every single week, I'm expected to write meaningful curriculum that is culturally relevant and that students are not allowed to learn how to read in English can do. What? I think she meant not able to read in English can do. Like students that don't read English, like English language learners. Um, when this is an impossible task since there is nothing to go off. I'm spending anywhere from 10 to 15 hours on the weekends or holidays researching culturally relevant books, adapting materials so that our students can do them, drawing instead of writing. Yeah, that's a common Sedai strategy. So Sedai strategies are um, for English learners and it's specifically designed academic instruction in English. So one accommodation is drawing instead of writing. Okay, so anyways. And then I'm expected to do this all on some imaginary time. Our contract is 7.50 to 3.15 but we're expected to stay until 4 on Wednesday for PD and we're not paid for it. And we have students from 8 a.m. till 3 or 3.10. Okay, so those hours are like pretty standard for me. What about you? I feel like that's... She said they had students from what? Contract time is 10 minutes before students and Yeah, that's about standard. Mine was like 20 in the morning and 10 in the afternoon. Yeah. But then if you're like designing full curriculum and you don't have a plan in the day y'all elementary teachers are getting like so fucked on planning because we don't have a prep people somebody taught me what prep was in 2020 and i was like what the fuck is a prep they were like how many preps do you have and i was like seven <laughs> you're like all of them i think it's yeah a i'm to pretty Z. sure i prep them all so yeah anyway um the school has been open for 20 or so years and they only recently got an sst process started are you fucking kidding me what's that student success team so oh. for example when you start the process to have like an iep or a 504 if a parent writes a letter saying hey we want our kid to be assessed it starts with the student success team oh i've had to be in those meetings i don't think we called it that for high school our had to have one special education teacher, one gen ed teacher, one admin or counselor, and then the parent and the child was what ours were required. Yeah, so it's like a whole team coming together yeah. to like figure out. They're squatted up. Yeah, exactly. It's the student squad, but th- we have to meet three times before the kid can get sent for formal assessment. Or, and tons of times, kids are also like dropped from it. It's like um, just like a measure for extra support. But I think it's shocking that a school can be open for 20 years and not have an SST process. I would have walked into that school and been like, the parent and I think we should do an SST. And then they'd be like, a what? Uh, I'd be like, I have to go, actually. And they're like, my Uber is actually here and it's an Uber XL because we're all leaving. (laughs) Me and the parent have an email to write to some people. Sorry, we got it. We're busy. Um, Got a blast. Got a blast. Okay, anyways, what year is it? Anyways, Uh, (laughs) then the cherry on top, I was told by playground staff that I had the worst class the school had ever seen. Oh, if I had a dollar for every time I've been told that. How do you get the job as playground staff? I want that. It's like separate from... It's his own job. Yeah. It's like the people who watch the kids when you don't have duty. In Florida, we really value the school-to-prison pipeline, so we just have security guards for that. I've had many that are basically like security guards, though. They are punitive. Last year, they were so fucking mean to the kids. They called it the yard, and they <laughs> ran it like a prison. I was like, I actually think you need to calm down a little bit, because you're so nasty. Most security guards I've interacted with have either been like way too too 
strict like that or not strict enough where I'm like, hey, I know that you vape, but maybe when the kids openly vape in the hallway, you say something instead of just letting them walk right past you. And then I've also had to be like, I know that maybe hitting is like a common strategy you use, but maybe not threatening to do that in a school. Oh my fucking God. Well, the problem is sometimes like kids that had graduated three or four years ago hired us security. So they'd be like, I'm gonna beat your ass. And I was like, I know that that is your brother's friend, but like you're at work right now. I should clarify that it was really the lead playground lady that was really... Really run in the yard. She was running the yeah, yard. There were some very sweet, wonderful playground aides that really were just doing their best and very kind. But like, she's the one that yelled at me for A, taking a single pack of post-its because I didn't sign it out. How dare you? And the secretary was like, yeah, here you go. And then she reprimanded me for that. I'm like, who are you? You're not admin. Why are you yelling at me all the time? She's the same one that yelled at me for letting my kids have chips when it was not allowed. No chips. I had a student who brought hot chocolate to school and she literally reamed me in front of the whole class. But um, okay, so no SST process. Things are going rogue on the yard. Okay, I had the worst class the school had ever seen. My admin were aware of these issues and they never offered me support. Today I was told that they had not seen any improvement in my teaching practice from the beginning of the year to the end, even though everyone in admin is very aware that I was going through essentially the worst year of my life. They have all seen me have several panic attacks at work. I am relieved to be leaving there. Yeah, I'm relieved too. Um, We'll drop the name of the school because honestly, the school is fucked. I actually DM'd them because I was, it's literally 20 minutes from my house. And I was like, oh my God, I was looking at this school. You're like, I'm outside. Don't send your kids here. There are no systems in place for special ed students. The school is held together by duct tape and teachers pay teachers. The school is going through six different lawsuits, including one for sexual harassment. But I also have information that would start a seventh lawsuit because my principal violated federal law for refusing assessment for one of my students with an IEP. Uh. I cannot stand him because the only compliments he has ever given me were on my appearance. I also found out Oh my god. I also found out from the librarian that he operates on a zero dollar budget and my principal very openly admitted to being a Nazi supporter. I dare say, and I don't say this lightly, the misogyny might be on the lower end of his transgressions. We might have some bigger ones. And by might, I mean we do. I did not know where that was going, but I would not have predicted loud and proud Nazi supporter was the direction we were going. I didn't, it's the loud and proud for me. That's the area though. Somebody the other day was like, when are you going to make a video calling out Moms for Liberty? And I was like, whenever they move out of my fucking neighborhood, I'm never going to teach again. I'm so fucked. Anyways. The moms are not libertarying the way I want them to. I feel the opposite of liberated. They are everywhere. So the fact that that principal is like an open Nazi supporter, like low key, I'm I'm not surprised. The thing that sickens me the most, I think, is that that school is supposed to have such a focus on social justice. Oh my so god, I why, forgot about that aspect. Why are we... He really said, keep your friends close and your enemies closer. It's literally shocking. I just... But also not shocking because the world is on fire. But it's literally those charter schools that scare the shit out of me. And also... Who in California is in charge of that charter? Because they have to have some district that pays for that charter. Yeah. Someone's in charge here. Why are we letting a Nazi run a school? That's my question, among other things. I didn't realize that was the end of her. She's been through a lot. Okay. Hi, Frozen Redacted. I just found your podcast today, but used to watch your TikToks all the time when I had the app. Did you get it taken away? What happened? Um, I immediately subscribed to your Patreon so I could share my teaching story. I apologize for the length. It's a doozy. Never apologize. In college, I was 
an art history major, and for most of college, I wanted to be a museum educator. That was until my second semester of senior year when I took an entry-level art education, which fueled my desire to be an art teacher. I was about to graduate and needed to find a job quickly. I had applied for my temporary teaching certificate and couldn't find a museum education job that would pay a living wage. Through a connection, I got in touch with someone who runs their own school and got offered to work their summer camps. The summer camps go well, but at the end of the summer, I still don't have a job lined up. I get a call from the school owner slash principal and was offered to work in the school for next year. Now, some background on the school. I never fully figured out what title this school operates. All I know is that it's definitely not a public school, but it is also not a charter or private school. It was a school for kids that are all technically homeschooled. Oh, so it's like a homeschool co-op community. Again, mixed bag. Some are great, some are terrifying. The year I taught there, it had students from kindergarten through ninth grade. It's located in a county that has a good public school system for middle and high schools, but residents don't think the elementary schools are great. So some students at the school are children of rich people who like small class sizes in their STEAM programming, science, technology, education, art, math. Engineering, art, math. But some of the students have intellectual and developmental disabilities and emotional behavior disorders. Although I was minimally qualified to teach art, I had applied for my temporary art teaching certificate months ago, but was still waiting to hear back, I ended up being put everywhere. I taught music, I substituted, I did FLVS, which is Florida Virtual School, and I had a breakout group a couple times a week where I worked on math and reading with three students who were on the autism spectrum needing varying levels of support. And also by saying FLVS, for anyone that doesn't know, at least in my experience teaching FLVS, it's Florida Virtual School and they have all their assignments online, so you're not doing grading or curriculum but you'll have a class with a group of kids who are all taking different classes. So you're just kind of doing classroom management and then making sure they're on task and being like, hey, are you behind? Are you ahead? Like, it's just kind of like a helper for them to do virtual school. It's a very interesting teaching position that presents a lot of very unique challenges. Where was I? Okay, so the majority of my students in all the classes I taught were neurotypical and I I think she means not neurotypical. (laughs) Can you imagine? I don't know how to deal with these neurotypical. Me either. I'm not qualified That's to deal with. That's how I fucking feel. I need training. I need a PD. I just don't understand sometimes. I need a PD so that I can learn when someone says, yeah, for sure, we can lock it down later. That means no. <laughs> I Where's the PD for that? I actually did that the other day. I was like arguing with somebody and I was like, I'm neurotypical. And I was like, wait, God damn no, it. No, I'm not. And then they were like, yeah, OCD isn't a disability. And I was like. You were like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I was like, let me show you a study. Okay, let me just send you something real quick. Let me tell you something. You know that TikTok audio where it's like, stop, stop. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I tried to delete it and re-put it with the right word, but they had already responded. So I looked like a fucking idiot. And I was like, God, you win, I guess. It's like when you fuck up that bad, you just have to be like, lean in. It's like when you're writing a persuasive essay and then halfway through when you get to like the counterpoints part, you realize they're right, but like it's too late for you to start over. So you just have to like lean in and be on the wrong side of history. I I tried to do Lincoln Douglas debate when I was in school and you have to debate both sides of the argument. And then when you get there, they tell you which side to argue. And literally on multiple occasions, I'd be like, I give up. I got the ick from my original (laughs) argument. Sorry. 
You're like, I actually need to go home now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So the majority of the students were neurotypical or not neurotypical. We don't know. And I had zero training and was totally unqualified. In fact, out of all the staff, there was only one special education teacher. This job took a serious mental and emotional toll on me as I had no support and was doing work I was unqualified to do. I was also a contracted employee and was only paid $1,600 a month. Where do you live? Is that legal? I don't think so. Like, I think I think you might have been in the Peace Corps. Like, I think maybe it, like, wasn't a job. It was more of, like, a work thing. You know how sometimes they give you a stipend? You're not getting paid. It's like, here's money for groceries. Yeah. On top of everything else, I was being bullied by an older office employee who was best friends with the owner. She ended up turning the owner against me because I was depressed, which they interpreted as a bad attitude. So I was never able to go to the owner about the bullying. I ended up quitting a week before winter break, and now I work for a nonprofit with no intention of going back to education. Some other fun anecdotes I forgot to include before that you might enjoy. For FLVS, I wasn't just ensuring that they were staying on task. I was also told all the students have to be getting good grades, which ended up turning into me helping the students cheat so I wouldn't get in trouble with the owner and the parents. FLVS... Their entire curriculum is on Quizlet, just for anyone wondering. At this school, I also tutored a little boy in the evenings that was going into kindergarten. Through tutoring him, I realized he had a speech impediment and most likely a learning disability, but for some reason, I was still tasked with tutoring him, even though, again, I am not qualified and have zero training. They're like, you're going to be a speech pathologist. It'll be fine. Watch some TED Talks. Um, The school was also in a strip mall. Oh my God. I went to a strip mall high school one time. Listen, there's no way the strip mall school had a good you gotta website. you gotta google earth that school once you see that address you gotta google street view see what's going on okay so the school was in a strip mall and one day out of the week i had back-to-back art classes that took place in different rooms which required me quickly cleaning up one room because there was a class in there after me and rushing all my supplies to the big auditorium slash lunchroom not art on a cart we're back to art on a cart every time there's a story on tiktok about a cart i get tagged and they're like fraz it's a cart those are our og listeners Back before we had microphones. No, literally. <laughs> um, I'd have to go back to the auditorium lunchroom where I would have to try and teach art to middle schoolers while there were two other classes going on at the same time in the same space. Last note, I also had to do extended day, which required me being the janitorial staff for the whole school because they wouldn't hire a cleaning crew slash custodian. You were at war. Like, I hate to say it, but you were a prisoner of war and they were just seeing what they could get away with at this point. Have you Googled indentured servitude? No, that's what she was doing fully. It's literally, they owned you. You were cleaning. You were being the custodial staff as well. That's where you lose me. For $1,600 a month? Like, if I'm cleaning, Cleaning, I'm not doing shit else. Like, if you want me to clean, I'm going to show up in yoga pants every day and don't ask me to check an email. Don't ask me to teach a child because if you want me to clean, that's what I'm going to do. I bet they didn't even train this person on the cafeteria Zamboni. Ah, oh, so ride a cafeteria Zamboni. I would do that. $1,600 a month. I'd be like, I okay, I get it. Thanks for this experience. It's really building my LinkedIn. I would take the little phone holder that I have on my Peloton and put it on the oh, Zamboni yeah. so I could oh, just yeah. like watch YouTube while I Zamboni. Oh my Is God. that safe? Is that distracted driving? You like run over a child with the Zamboni. The 16 year old that they hired to clean the cafeteria with you is just like so listening to lo-fi staring at you. I don't even know what episode that was so if you didn't catch that reference I don't even know what to tell you. Okay so there's more she said. Oh wait no that's the thing. So yeah she was that's the end is that she was also being a custodian there. God Immediately bless. no. Immediately Honestly, no. Honestly again whole separate job. Both of you have very critical and separate 
separate jobs. Like, <laughs> those are literally just two different things. Like, a symbiotic relationship? To me, it is as different as, like, if this if a school was a hotel, this is, like, asking the valet guy to fill in for the pastry chef. Like, exactly. both of those things need to be done, and they just are not the same thing, and you cannot do them at the same time. If you try to do both, you're gonna do neither well. As Ron Swanson said, never half-ass two things, whole-ass one thing. I did know that quote, even though I don't watch that show. Love that show. Well, Thank you for sending in your Patreon submissions, though. Thank you so much. We just love you. Well, I guess that's it. It's been another episode of Teacher Quit Talk. If you want to submit, join Patreon, and you'll also get fun little bonus episodes of us playing little games and having time in our enclosure. Indeed, oh, you will. We love to stream our enclosure time together. Yes. And if you can, listen to us on Apple Podcasts, because that helps. Listen to us on Tim Apple's podcast. Tim Apple. Do people know what I'm referencing when I say that? I don't think people do. T- Tim Cook's a CEO, no? Yeah, but he had a meeting with Donald Trump. Like, that was, like, covered by the press to talk about, like, Donald Donald Trump when he was president to, like, talk about, I don't know, like, technology. And Donald Trump called him Tim Apple, like, seven times within that little press conference. He was like, uh, I'm here with Tim Apple. Tim Apple has given us a lot of amazing knowledge. So now I always say Tim Apple, and I don't think people know what I'm talking about, but it makes me laugh, so whatever. I kind of want to do a stream that's just, like, funny Donald Trump moments, but there's too many things that are, like, not funny and are actually scary. I know. Well, it's like how people now do George W. Bush compilations. Yeah. Like, it'll be funny in like 10 years. When people don't know about all the war crimes and the assault and stuff, you know? When we're all living on our little space bubble because we destroyed the earth, you're going to laugh real hard at my Tim Apple Trump compilation videos. Oh, well, we love you. Statistically, almost nobody has listened to that. Love you. Have fun, live, laughing, and learning. We should put like little Easter eggs at the end of every episode to see if people listen to the very end. Just as a disclaimer, because I am someone who is actively teaching, everything on this podcast is my personal opinion and does not reflect my district, my state, my employer, my students, or my admin. Everything on this podcast was recorded on personal time, on personal equipment, and is a completely separate endeavor from my school district. Yeah, leave her alone.